0: Welcome to the best of St. Joseph radio, a program that for more than 30 years has sought out eloquent speakers throughout the world to help explain, clarify, and evangelize the Catholic faith. People who seek to put Christ first in their lives, living the Father's will, witnessing to His grace, love, and forgiveness. Now with the aid of technology, we are able to reach the four corners of the world with the gospel message where Christ Himself did say, those who have ears ought to hear brothers and sisters sit back relax and open your ears and heart to the good news on the best of saint joseph radio presents going to go ahead and start so we can stay on time. I'm actually very excited about these next two speakers. Uh, the first two were outstanding. I had never heard either one of them, uh, but I think we could agree they were a blessing. Um, but I can tell you these next two are my personal favorite speakers. And um, definitely the next one, uh, first next one up is, most of you probably already know, Father Scott Sonnenberg, which uh, I'm going to be sitting right here on the front row being excited to hear him. And uh, let's give, again, a Springfield welcome to Father Scott
1: Sonnenberg. Let's begin in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Good and gracious God, we ask you to reveal your heart to us. We ask that through the intercession of your Holy Mother we may draw closer to Jesus, her son. We may come to know your living presence in the tabernacle, at the altar, and in the tabernacle of our hearts. We ask that in this time that we spend today at this conference, you might stir, renew, rekindle, or enkindle our hearts with that fire of your love. And so we pray, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. It's good to be with you all. My name is Father Scott Sunnenberg. I am a 20-year priest of the Diocese of Springfield, Cape Girardeau. I'm a homegrown vocation. I grew up in Springfield. Uh, My parents still live here. I have been pastor all across our diocese in different assignments. I'm in my uh, sixth assignment right now. I am pastor at Bolivar Sacred Heart Parish. And at Humansville St. Catherine Mission. I also have been blessed to work in vocations uh, for almost six years, uh, helping to form and to guide and to encourage young men and women in listening to the call of Jesus to follow him as priests and religious sisters and brothers. Um, In my work in vocations, I've officially been a vocation director, like I told you, for about six years. But it's my opinion that every priest is a vocation director in his own parish. Every Catholic man and woman is a vocation director at some point in their life. So all of you... Our vocation directors, be they to children, grandchildren, or future children, all of you have a call to plant those seeds. That's why priests are able to be here with you today. I see Sister in the back. Sister, it's good to have you here. That's why Sister is able to be here with you today, is because somebody planted that seed of vocation in the hearts of those priests and sisters who accompany you. In this great work of the Marian Conference. Um, I'm going to put vocations now at the altar. Because we know everything that we need to worry about goes to the altar. And I'm going to tell you a story. A story about Father Malachi. Father Malachi was an old Benedictine monk. He stood about yea tall. And he tended to hunch quite a bit. I met him on several occasions in my time in minor seminary when I studied at St. Meinrad Seminary and Arch Abbey in southern Indiana. Father Malachi was not a monk that was involved in the college where I was at or the school of theology. He was one of those monks that we rarely saw because His path didn't cross into the college or school of theology hardly ever. We had monks that were with us all the time. Monks that were assigned to the college as teachers, as floor fathers, as spiritual directors, as formators. We also had monks that were in the school of theology doing the same thing. And we saw them quite a bit as well. But Father Malachi was one of those monks who only very rarely did we encounter. Once in a great while, some of those monks who we rarely encountered would be invited to come to the college chapel or to come to the theology chapel to celebrate mass for the student body. College had their own chapel. Theology had their own chapel. Father Malachi was invited to come and celebrate for the college. And we were all interested and looking forward to Father Malachi. We had heard about Father Malachi. He had a reputation as a holy monk. A reputation as a monk who was in his day very well received and understood. So Father Malachi came to the doors of the college chapel having vested for mass with the other Monks who were always with us in the college, with the college student body. And Father Malachi's microphone, like you just saw them put me into, had been put on him. Except his microphone was on, and I don't know whether or not he realized it. And Father Malachi was standing there, getting ready to process, and we heard him say, It's awfully dark in here. Now, the chapel was a darker, older part of the building. It was beautiful. It had been rearranged and renovated, and what used to be the sanctuary was now kind of off to the side, and there was an altar in the center, and there was a door over to the far side. So the chapel was originally oriented one way, and it had been reoriented a different way. I don't think Father Malachi had been there since that had happened. It had been so long. And the next thing that Father Malachi said, and he was from Brooklyn. He was Irish through and through. So imagine a Brooklyn Irish accent saying, after it's awfully dark in here, where have they hidden my Lord? Where have they hidden my Lord? You see, during the renovation... The tabernacle had been moved from what used to be the sanctuary and placed into a separate room that was off to the side of the entrance to the chapel. So when you walked into the chapel, you saw beautiful stained glass, you saw the old sanctuary, you saw the seats and the altar in the center, you saw the crucifix on the wall, but you didn't see the tabernacle. You couldn't see the tabernacle anywhere without taking a hard right and going through the doors into the separate little chapel. Now, there was thought behind that at some point that it was nice to have Jesus reserved in a quiet place for prayer. But Father Malachi's point was well taken. Where have they hidden my Lord? Sometimes we have to ask ourselves that question. It was a question not of the Blessed Virgin Mary, but of another Mary. It was a question that was posed by Mary Magdalene. Mary Magdalene in the resurrection narratives wondered where they had placed her Lord. And in wondering that, it is a good place for us to step into the theme of my talk. My talk is the Eucharistic Renewal and Mary. But you're getting two Marys for the price of one. You're getting the Blessed Virgin and you're getting Mary of Magdala. Because they both have something to tell us. Mary's question, where have they taken my Lord? Echoed so much later by Father Malachi in his critique of the college chapel, is something that we should hold close to our hearts in this time of Eucharistic renewal. How many of you recognized or realized we were in a three-year period of Eucharistic renewal? How many of you knew that? How many of you know the culminating point of the Eucharistic renewal? Anybody know what the culminating point of the Eucharistic renewal is? It's going to happen in 2024, July of 2024. That doesn't close it, but it brings everything to a top. And we're going to stay on that mountaintop for a little while, even after that culminating point. Anybody know what that culminating point is? The Eucharistic Congress in Indianapolis. That's right. How many have ever been to a Eucharistic Congress? One, two... Three. Not very many of us. And it's a very special thing. It's not surprising that not many have been to a Eucharistic Congress because they are things that are unique, special, set apart from the regular horarium or life of the church. But they are well placed. Whenever a Eucharistic Congress falls, It's well-placed because it is a mark along the journey to remind us that we must keep our eyes fixed upon the Lord. His true presence, body, blood, soul, and divinity. In the tabernacle at the altar, in the monstrance, on the altar and in our hearts, each and every one of us. We need those reminders. Those reminders are not only timely, but necessary. Because like Mary of Magdala, we can lose sight of where our Lord is. We can lose focus Of where in our lives we have enthroned him. Of how we have enthroned our Lord. In each and every day, day in and day out. And that's why I present to you Mary Mary of Magdalas' question. Where have they taken my Lord? Where have they taken my Lord? When we think about the other Mary, we are reminded of one who accompanied Jesus. Accompanied him through all of those significant key moments, as well as the day in and day out. Who knew Jesus better than the Blessed Mother? Who knew Jesus more closely than the Blessed Mother? And so for us to really grasp the theme of the Eucharistic renewal leading to the Eucharistic Congress calling us to recognize and to renew our awareness of the real presence of Jesus in the tabernacle, on the altar, in the monstrance, and in our hearts, we have to look to Mary. We have to look to Mary who, as we've been praying these Fridays of Lent, the stations of the cross, appears at our Lord's side. Appears suffering with Jesus in her own way. The same mother whose heart was pierced when he was presented in the temple, as Simeon would foretell, is the same one who accompanied Jesus to the very foot of the cross. And in the, real, in the reality of Eucharistic renewal. It's not just a celebration. It's also a sacrifice. Every time we come to mass. It is a celebration. But it's also a sacrifice. And we sometimes focus so much on the celebration. That we forget the sacrifice. During Lent. We've not only been praying the stations of the cross, accompanying Jesus and Mary, but we've also made sacrifices ourselves, things that we're doing outside of perhaps our regular spiritual life, things that we're doing to better focus ourselves upon Jesus. We do prayer, which is something we don't just do during Lent, we do penance of some sort, which presumably we do penance at other times throughout the year too. We don't just save it all for Lent, but we offer penances at other times throughout the year because we know we need it. It keeps us focused on Jesus. And we know that the offering of those penances is a beautiful offering for those who we intercede for. We do almsgiving, which is the offering of our own resources for those ...who have less than us. That's not always just financial. Sometimes it's also our time. Offering our time. Brothers and sisters, all of those things, however, are directed to Jesus. 31% of Catholics, according to the Pew Research Center, believe in the real presence... 31%. And that's this current year reflected. This current year. 31% of Catholics believe in the real presence. Not only do we need a Eucharistic renewal, but without a Eucharistic renewal, we're going to lose sight of who we are. We're going to lose sight of where Jesus is. And we'll be asking that question. Where have they taken? Where have they laid? Where is my Lord? Better we ask it now. Better we prepare our hearts now to be focused upon Jesus than find ourselves lost without sight of him. Unable to locate him in the busyness and the hectic schedules that we all have. You know, the last couple of days, Thursday, I was in bed all day. Friday, I didn't leave the house. And today, I'm feeling a little bit better. But I was going through some stomach stuff. I was afraid that I might have COVID. And so I took a COVID test. Because that's the first thing I thought. I've got COVID. I'm not going to the conference. Great. So I took my COVID test. And of course, it was negative. But there are so many things like that that we don't plan for. So many parts of our life that we're so busy about, that it's easy to lose sight. It's easy to forget where our Lord is. It's easy to not accompany Him as Mary does. The theme of the Eucharistic Congress and the revival itself is to renew the church. This comes right out of the documentation for the Eucharistic renewal. The renewal of the church by enkindling a living relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ in the Holy Eucharist. To renew the church by enkindling a relationship that is living with Jesus in the Eucharist. Do we live with Jesus in the Eucharist? 31% do, according to the Pew Research Center. 31% live with Jesus in the Eucharist. So what does that tell us about all the rest? All the rest have yet to encounter him. Best case scenario. Have encountered him and lost sight of him. Okay, case scenario, or have rejected him, worst case scenario, for something else. Rejected him for something else. Mary of Magdala, Mary, our Blessed Mother, are going to be two individuals that can lead the church back to that living presence of Jesus, that can lead our hearts back to that living presence of Jesus. It's our home that is meant to be sanctified, our own home. It's our own hearts that are meant to be sanctified. It's our own families that are meant to be sanctified. And it's our parish that's meant to be sanctified. And ultimately, if we do that, we will sanctify the world because the Lord will work through us. Let me say it again. It's our own homes, our own hearts, our own families, and our own parish that we are called to sanctify and to be sanctified. We can't worry about what's going on all around the world. Because it's only going to cause us frustration. It's only going to cause us resentment. It's only going to cause us anger and disappointment. If we're so focused on the things that we don't like that we see that are happening, we're going to lose sight of the Jesus who is present in the tabernacle at our parish. The Jesus who is called to be present in our hearts and in our homes. The Jesus who wants to sanctify our families right here. You remember what St. John Paul II called the family? Anybody remember what he called the family? He called them the cell of society. Call them the cell of society. That cell is where we must be focused. That cell of our hearts, that cell of our homes, that cell of our family, and that cell of our parish. If we are doing that in this Eucharistic revival, that will spread. Worrying about people who don't believe in Jesus on the other side of the United States Well, it's a worry. I'm concerned about it too. But I can't do much about that. I can do something about it in my own parish. I can do something about it in my own heart. I can do something about it in my own family. That is what the Eucharistic revival invites us to do. That is what Mary of Magdala and the Blessed Mother are inviting us to do. To use the graces that we're given to renew those places home, heart, family, parish. And it will affect across the United States. It will affect on the other side of the world. But we got to start here. We got to start at this tabernacle, at this altar, in this heart, and in our own families. Mary was constant in the life of Jesus. Are we constant in our living of the faith? I met a lady who was talking to me about her grandchildren, and she told me how her grandchildren were not practicing the faith, and it really bothered her. And that her children, the grandchildren's parents, were also not going to Mass regularly. Please pause for that technical problem. We're also not going regularly. So... I asked her, I said, well, do you invite them to Mass with you when you're visiting them? She said, no, I don't want to burden them. No, I don't want to burden them. Think about that for a minute. If we are to be a witness to our belief in the real presence... And we're worried that we're going to burden others, our own family, by witnessing to that real presence by our actions, such as going to Mass. How are we going to give the witness that that 31% must give the world? Because that 31% can start right in their own home. And I suggested to her, next time you're there, Ask your family to take you to Mass. And she said, I bet they would if I asked. And the good news is, I bet they would too. Because they love her. And if they love her and see her love for Jesus in the Mass and Jesus in the Blessed Sacrament, that's going to affect their hearts. That's going to move their hearts. That's going to open their hearts, and that's what the Eucharistic revival is all about rekindling that fire, that living with Jesus in the most blessed sacrament of the altar. Going to adoration is a great opportunity to sit in the presence of the Lord, to stand at the foot of the cross to be in that home at Nazareth, to reflect with Mary on all those things that she held in her heart. Scripture tells us that Mary pondered a lot. Mary held in her heart many things. When we come to the Eucharist, To adore Jesus. What better time. To ponder in our hearts. Our own family. Our own parish. Our own community. Of faith. What better time to lay those things. At the Lord's altar. To lay those things and entrust them. To Jesus. Pope Benedict XV, let me say that again, Pope Benedict XV, not the 16th, the 15th, was Pope during World War I. Now, if you were to go to St. Peter's Basilica, you were to walk in the basilica, walk towards the altar of the chair, and about a fourth of the way down, to make a hard left, you would find yourself at the side altar that has the big relief on the wall of Pope Benedict XV. Elected about a month within World War I, ramping up. He had not only a heart that was heavy because he saw what was happening around him, Around the world. But he also had a heart that was heavy because he had been called to be the shepherd at that time. What a difficult time to be a shepherd. What a difficult time to take up the keys of Peter. And the relief shows him kneeling on a pray-do with a world that's on fire. Imagine that relief. The Pope kneeling at his pray with a world that's on fire. And in the midst of that world that's on fire stands the Blessed Mother. And she has her arms outstretched in the relief. And she's holding Jesus. Much like the priest raises the monstrance to impart the benediction... Mary is standing in the midst of that world on fire, holding Jesus up. And the Pope has his eyes fixed upon her and him. You and I can fix our eyes upon that every time we go to benediction. And we can sanctify our hearts, our homes, our families, and our parishes in that offering of prayer, in that reception of benediction. Yes, it does sometimes feel like the world's on fire, but we can't run around trying to put the fire out. We can keep our eyes up on Jesus in the midst of the flame, we can keep our eye fixed upon Him. Who is our hope. Him who is our salvation. Upon him who is our savior. And that. That alone. Will put out the fires. Of the world around us. As much running and as much throwing of water. As we might think we need to do. That's what will change everything. Brothers and sisters, I'd like to simply conclude with offering my own reflection. As a priest, it is not always easy to pray. How many of you find prayer easy? Anybody find prayer easy? Be honest, if you find prayer easy, raise your hand. I see a couple of hands. It's not always easy to pray. And I don't know if that's a confession. Maybe it's more of a honest truth. It's not always easy to pray. But in our prayer, we encounter the Lord. In our prayer... You and I become living tabernacles. There is the tabernacle at the altar, the one that Father Malachi was looking for, that he couldn't find. It's really nice to see the tabernacle here. There's the tabernacle at the altar. But there's also the tabernacle of our heart. The world needs to see the tabernacle of our heart. The world needs to know that tabernacle of our heart. And if we point with the tabernacle of our heart to the real presence of Jesus in the Eucharist, then this year of Eucharistic renewal, these three years of revival, will become common rather than unique. Because every year, will be a year of Eucharistic revival. Every year will be a year of Eucharistic renewal. And a Eucharistic Congress won't be something that we go, what's that now? Where is it at? It's at our parish. It's at our home. It's right here. So I'm going to entrust my own living of the Eucharistic Renewal, and I'd like to invite you to entrust your living as well to the Blessed Mother, but also to the prayers of Mary of Magdala. And as we get closer to July of 2024, let us make the norm rather than the exception Eucharistic renewal in our hearts, in our homes, in our families, and in our parishes and ultimately in the whole world. And so let us pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Mary, you stood by Jesus all through his life. You interceded for those around him constantly. You lived consistently a life of holiness stir in us that desire to be sanctified, to be holy as you are holy, to be renewed in the gift of Jesus, the most holy sacrament of the altar. May we receive the benediction of Jesus not just in the moments of adoration, but in the moments where we ourselves go out into the world, carrying with us that real presence. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you for listening. Um, I'd like to encourage you to check out the website for the Eucharistic Renewal. There are so many fantastic resources for prayer for reflection there's even an every sunday printout that connects to the sunday readings and specifically to the theme of eucharistic renewal it's all free it's all available all you do is go on and access it um, you might also consider making a pilgrimage to the eucharistic congress in july of 24 i know that uh, it will be a very 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 busy time and place but um, We make the sacrifices for pilgrimage as we go over to places in Europe. And I know Indianapolis doesn't exactly look like Rome. But it's a Eucharistic Congress. And if you can get there, God bless you. If you can't, you don't have to go there. Just be sure that you meet the Lord. You meet him in your home. You meet him in your heart. You meet him in your family. And you meet him in the parish.
0: one you meet and change one soul at a time thank you for your prayers and support until next time may god bless you and your family this has been a presentation of saint joseph radio presents